Hey, buddy, how you doing? What's up? Episode, what episode is this? Episode number seventy-seven, I believe. Wow. Okay. Little, we had a little confusion, mostly on my part, before the episode, not knowing which number we're on. But we're getting close to a hundred. Um, about thirty-three away now, or twenty-three. But uh, how does it feel? knowing that week five in the NFL just wrapped up and this is our second year covering that it's, it's really hitting me different knowing that, you know, we've been at this for a long time and not just one NFL season, but now we're in the midst of our second season as a podcast. How Mm -hmm. does that feel? You know, it just feels, you mentioned it a couple times a year, you know, we're, we're through five weeks and if we're playing, we're playing what 18 weeks now. So we're about at the one third point. And you know, it feels like these weeks get more and more bittersweet because you know we're gonna we're gonna turn around and it's gonna be February, and we'll be sitting here for another seven months without football. But I mean, what a great week number five in the NFL. Mm-hmm. We cannot take any of these weeks for granted, and this week was probably I would say the best of the season so far. So many of the one o'clock games were one score games. We had the game in Cincinnati go to overtime. We had a shocker on Sunday Night Football, and we had that amazing game last night where Lamar Jackson just absolutely pulled a rabbit out of the hat, coming back from 16 down to end up winning the game in overtime, four straight touchdown drives. And then, obviously, um, not really related to week number five, but we did have the news break uh, during halftime last night that John Gruden has resigned as the Raiders coach. So we will get into that. We will talk about fantasy football, as we always do to start the program. Uh, we'll break down all five of the games we looked ahead to last week for week number five. We have some honorable mentions, um, week six preview, and then obviously closing it out with player spotlight. Do you want to lead off with fantasy football, or do you want to get this John Gruden news out of the way first? Um, I mean, fantasy football is quick, brief. Um, I got the dub. It was versus a team that was 0-4, so I wasn't <clears throat> too worried. But no surprises on my team. I felt good about my performance. I am a little worried, you know, about some of the teams I have yet to face on the other division. Uh, some guys who have been putting up big numbers. I, uh, I'm trying to get some waiver pickups this week. How'd your team do, Dill? Yeah, so am I. I'm trying to fill in some, you know, injured reserve spots that I have. Uh, I ended up pulling out a 23-point victory. It was quite close. I was only up one going into Monday Night Football. I needed Mark or I needed Hollywood Brown and Jonathan Taylor to outscore Sammy Watkins and Mark Andrews. Obviously, Mark Andrews was one of the three big players in that Ravens comeback last night. Thank goodness that Hollywood Brown was one of the other two, other than Lamar Jackson. Uh, Jonathan Taylor had a 78-yard receiving touchdown in his first touch of the game. I thought at the time that was going to wrap it up for me, but I ended up finding myself in the fourth quarter, only down four or five, uh, because Lamar started the ball, throwing the ball to Mike or not to Mike Andrews, Mark Andrews. Um, Hollywood had no targets at halftime, ends up finishing the game nine grabs, 125, two touchdowns. That was 31 points. Uh, finally got some sanity and started Mike Williams. Um, Robert Woods finally had his first big game of the season. My only issue is going to be the quarterback position. Brian Tannehill, for the position that I drafted him in, is not putting up the numbers that I mm-hmm. need. And for a three and two team, for me to only have 25 points is his best performance. Well, wow. so, uh, I ended up taking the chance on fields. I'm thinking maybe that may not be a good option either. So I may need to look at the waiver wire for some quarterbacks, especially if Tannehill keeps, you know, playing average at this point. Because I went against Josh Allen and Mark Andrews, and, I, mm-hmm. and nobody else on my opponent's team had more than 18 points. Wow. So your your biggest need, you would say, is quarterback then? Mm-hmm. Well, not uh, more or less a backup, I would say, for now. Mm-hmm. Just so I can have that safety safety option, you know, that safety valve. Mm-hmm. I definitely feel like I need some better flex players. That's where I'm lacking right now. All all of my starters did well. My defense is a little shaky. I thought Washington's defense was going to be better, but overall, I'm looking for some flex position players this week. For sure, but uh, you're looking at yourself at four and one, five and zero, oh, five and zero, oh. five and zero, oh. and then I'm three and two. So. Uh... We're looking good. We're number one and number three in their divisions. Uh, you are one of the two five and zero teams. Uh, there's a team at five and one, and then there's a group of three of us at three and two. Mm-hmm. It's really competitive. I feel like, and sitting at five and zero, I don't feel like a five and zero team. I feel like everyone has a chance. Mm-hmm. 
one or two bad weeks, and you know, you know, you hope you don't get cursed by the injury bug. And I'm just hoping that I can have, find a viable option to fill in. I traded for Kenneth Gainwell this week because mm-hmm. I was desperate for a running back. I um, obviously with Montgomery going out last week, so I just need to ride the ship here for another three or four weeks and hope, you know, hope and pray for a speedy recovery for Montgomery because. That backup, I, I had my backup running back set, and then James White ended up getting hurt in the first two weeks, and Boston Scott really didn't turn out to what Boston Scott I thought he was going to be. Yeah, and no. Gainwell ends up getting, you know, 95% of the other um, reps that don't go to Miles Sanders. Last year it was Boston Scott and Miles Sanders, but Gainwell's really, really put in a good Stepped performance up. so far in the first five weeks. Mm-hmm. But I'm not too nervous about it. You know, it's it's early. Um, as long as I can, you know, win nine or ten, I think I will be in the playoffs for sure. And then it's once the playoffs goes, playoffs. I've won the playoffs in a league as an eight seed. So, you know, once the playoff, mm-hmm. it just depends on how hot your team is at playoff time. All right, that's going to move us on to the unfortunate news that uh, John Gruden has. Re- he had resigned late last night as the Las Vegas Raiders head coach. Some um, Some unfortunate emails did come out. Uh, way back, I think in 20, first of all, earlier in the week, the ones that came out talking about player rep president DeMar Smith using a racial name to, um, in an email uh, around, about him about, I think it was in 2011, and then these emails that came out in 2018. Um, the, the, the origin of these emails came out, actually, they were investigating the Washington football team's trainer, I believe, for selling uh, prescription drugs out of the office, obviously. Wow. And... Um, so they were sifting through some emails looking, you know, for evidence from him and they uncovered some emails um, between John Gruden and then team executive Bruce Allen, who has been let go by the team. Uh, I think in the last couple of years due to something else uh, using homophobic language, um, the despisement of using women's women officials and then some other things. So it's, it's unfortunate. He was in the fourth year of his 10 year deal that uh, he was finally starting to turn the Raiders around. It just shows that, you know, if you make a mistake, you may get away with it at first, but unfortunately it, it will catch up to you. What's done in the dark will always come to light. That's what everybody's yep. been saying. And I mean, it's unfortunate um, that, you know, he, he has a responsibility as the coach and it's unfortunate that he was abusing that power that he had, mm-hmm. you know, to, yep. to, belittle women officials to make racist comments you know I was I I was a John Gruden guy that's the thing and I'm you know I'm very taken aback by wow you know you never really know these people and these coaches and I do like though that we're holding them accountable mm-hmm. he was the one to resign but yeah, you know he didn't get fired he, he resigned there's no way he's gonna clear. be able to coach in the NFL anymore no unfortunately and, um, you know, I just heard some news within the last couple hours that he was in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers ring of honor, obviously before Bruce Arians was the only Super Bowl winning coach in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers history. They mm-hmm. had take, they have renewed, they've decided to renew, remove his name from the ring of honor. Wow. So that's, that shows that the Bucks are up for, you know, diversity and whatnot. And mm-hmm. it's shocking that these things, you know, these allegations, not allegations with these facts come out. Uh, with, you know, Carl Nassib is on his team as the first openly mm-hmm. gay player in the NFL. And you just wouldn't think that, you know, maybe John Gruden was, you know, keeping that inside or if he's changed or whatever, you know, yeah. the case may be. This obviously what, was three or four years ago. What's interesting to me is now I'm looking back at when Antonio Brown was on the Raiders and it was mm-hmm. Gruden's first year, I think, and Mike Mayock yeah. was there. And there was that whole thing with Antonio Brown calling Mike Mayock a cracker and then mm-hmm. Mike Mayock yep. saying some things. It's all just kind of fitting into that timeline a little more with, you know, Mike Mayock being under John Gruden's type of thing. You know, the culture they'd set up coaching-wise there, or at least, you know, front office-wise. It, it, it really is going to, I think, affect the NFL as a whole. Mm-hmm. And uh, I heard something perfectly said um, on the way. I was driving around this afternoon listening to uh, Sports Talk Radio in the area. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we obviously bring up the whole uh, the Ray Wright or not the Ray Rice, the Ray Lewis situation where, you know, he was accused of that murder and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And he was able to play. And then, you know, we bring up issues like Ray Rice, Kareem Hunt, you know, they're able to Josh, Josh Gordon. They're, they're able to come back in the league due to domestic violence, drug issues and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the higher you go up and, and, and the radio host made this a point, the higher you go up in the NFL rankings 
you know, that's the less that you can get away with. The, the mm-hmm. more, you know, standards that you're held to. Because, you know, these players can yeah, make for mistakes real. and they can just, you know, they may get released, but they sign with a new team. They get a second chance and whatnot. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're a GM, you have a boss. Your boss is the owner. But you're if you're the owner of the team, you know, you're really, the higher you go up, it's almost like you, as you're an owner, and I know I said the higher you go up, the more responsibility that you have, but <clears throat> the owners, you look at Daniel Snyder and what he's done with the Washington football team, and, and your only boss really is an owner of an NFL team is, is Roger Goodell, mm-hmm. the commissioner. You know, all the bad things that Daniel Snyder's done as the owner of the WFT, you know, yeah. and, and it just shows to you that, you know, the GMs, the coaches, they, they have bosses, and that's the owner, but it shows – it's unfortunate that the players and the owners can, you know, get second chances, get away with it, whatnot. But, you know, the, the GMs and the coaches have to pay for their, you know, mistakes. For real. And it's, it, just, it's, it's, it's a sad it thing the NFL like goes it's through. Only, it's only the coaches and the mm-hmm. GMs who have to pay. The players never have to, you know what yep. I mean? No, they might have no. to serve some – Michael Vick serve some time, was able to come back. I mean, it's just – it's a lot different the way they handle the punishment. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on here to some actual NFL football. Um, we did have Thursday night football. It was the Rams 26 and the Seahawks 17. It was a better game than I thought it was going to be. Actually, really, to be honest with you, in the first half, I thought Seattle was going to have a chance to win this game. Unfortunately, Russell Wilson goes down with a hurt finger. He's already had surgery on it. Him and Aaron Donald collided hands as Wilson was winding up to pass. Uh, he ended up finishing the game 150 yards, two yards, a touchdown, and a pick before the injury. Um, DK Metcalf, 98 yards on two touchdowns. I believe he had five grabs. Uh, Stafford had a pretty good game in the win, 365 yards with a touchdown and a pick. Pardon me. I believe his touchdown was to Higby. Uh, Woods had 12 grabs for 150 yards. Geno Smith came right in, made it a ball game. It's just too bad that young Seahawks defense, you know, they're not the Legion of Boom that they were five, six, seven years ago. And with losing guys uh, in the past year, like Shaquille, uh, Shaquille Griffin going to Jacksonville, obviously. Uh, but they still have some veteran leaders. It's just unfortunate that that defense can't hold up. Uh, it just shows what the Rams, you know, they should be, and they are what we, th- what we thought they would be. And going into Seattle is a very tough place. Not a lot of teams have beaten Seattle in that stadium, and the Rams proved it. What were your thoughts on this game? How long is Russ out? I think he's four to six weeks. I know he'll be on... back. Go ahead. And he'll be back before the end of the season. But oh, for sure. Yes. It's I, it's almost going to be too little too late for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, They're already two and three. You look at that division. The Rams are three and two now. The Cardinals mm-hmm. are five and oh. I and think the Niners the are fighting. Are two and three. Yeah. They're going to be fighting down in the basement until Wilson gets back. And as you said, it may be too little too late at that point. I think, I mean, some of these other NFC divisions too, it's not, it's not going to be like the AFC. We talk about how the AFC West, Potentially three teams can make the three wild card spots. I don't see that happening over on the NFC West with, you know, um, Seattle and the Niners. I, I don't think they can make it. I think the two teams that will end up making it out of that division are the um, Rams and the Cardinals. I would have said Seattle would have had a chance, but Russell Wilson going down, giving the reins to Geno Smith. The problem for me isn't Geno Smith, but it is that defense, like you mentioned. There's also that funny picture that came out of this game of the two linemen holding Aaron Donald up. What the I heck was that? What the that heck was, was that? that? Interesting. Yeah. What a what a play! I mean, it, when I saw that, I thought it was a meme until it was the cover of the highlights, and I was like, "Wow, okay, so this is this is something." Um, could end up in the Sports Hall of Fame picture wise. Definitely. Uh, we're going to move on here to another heartbreaking loss for the Detroit Lions. Uh, the Vikings ended up beating the Lions, uh, moving them down to 0-5 with a 19-17 victory. Just another heartbreaking loss. And Jared Goff, 203 yards and in an interception. Jamal Williams leading the team in rushing, 13 carries, 57 yards. Uh, but it was just another case of the defense just couldn't do their job. I, I know they only gave up 19 points. Uh, Jalen Reeves Maven made that clutch uh, strip of Madison on the third down mm-hmm. and seven uh, with, I believe it was less than or close to the two minute warning. Um, they end up going down there. DeAndre Swift gets a touchdown to make it a one point game. Dan Campbell, you know, credit to him at 0 and four makes the decision to go for two. 
They end up getting the two-point conversion. I believe Goff threw a pass to Trinity Benson. It was a jump mm-hmm. ball, kind of a broken play-esque. But it was just the defense. And Cousins got two chunk plays. I believe it was one to Jefferson and one to Phelan. And set up a Greg Joseph 54-yard field goal, and, and it went in. Madison, in replacement of Dalvin Cook, who was injured again, uh, had 113 yards. Jefferson ended up leading the team in receiving oh, seven grabs and 124 yards, you know. It's just unfortunate. I saw a stat. They are the first team in NFL history, the Lions are, to lose two games in a season on 50-plus yard field goals at the last play of the game. That's horrible. What were your thoughts on just this, this another heartbreaking loss? Seems like it's going to be the theme of the season. I mean, I watched story of every game with the Lions. I turned the game on to watch the first drive. If I'm not liking what I'm seeing, I switch to red zone quicker than, you know, I would. But mm-hmm. I, I switched to red zone almost after the first drive. They would show the the Vikings plays. They would show, you know, obviously I saw some of the Lions decent plays. But um, then it comes down to red zone. All of a sudden you hear about the Lions. Oh, they're made, they got this two-point conversion. Oh, they – but, you know, it's like, oh, my gosh, there's still 37 seconds left. Like, come on, guys. We know what's going to happen. It's going to be another fourth and 19, 50-yard bomb and a Justin Tucker type play. I knew it was coming, and sure enough, it wasn't 66 yards, but it was 54 or whatever. This just, to me, made me feel like, man, 0-17 is looking like more and more of a possibility every week, especially when I look at the schedule, and now I would have said the Vikings, we would have had a chance against them. We still might at, at, at home, but some of these teams that I were thinking we could squeak out a win like this in the in the fourth quarter it's starting to look more and more like there may be only one or two more opportunities to get a win Mm -hmm. and it's unfortunate because you know it we talked about it earlier when we were together you know it's dan campbell cares about this team Mm -hmm. you saw his post-game presser he was you know crying basically because you know the team's fighting so hard and they're they're just trying so hard for a win and then you look at the other 0-5 team in the NFL, and it's the Jacksonville Jaguars. And, and it doesn't even look like Urban Meyer cares. I mean, yeah, no. it looks like he's just looking forward to his next paycheck at, you know, enter, enter school here, enter team here. USC, exactly. You know, it's, just, it's, it's unfortunate. Well, and, Urban and, Meyer wasn't even on the same page with Trevor Lawrence, and they had that exactly. awkward press game stuff. It's like, come on, yeah. man. Uh, moving on here, I think this was the game of the year so far, and at the mm-hmm. end of the season, we still could be talking about this game as the game of the yeah. year. It was the Chargers 47, and it was the Browns 42. What a ball game. I knew it was going to be an offensive shootout. I predicted it to be, but I don't think I saw this coming. You look at the Not numbers, at I mean, 89 combined points. They had 1,016 yards of total offense combined, seven touchdowns scored in the fourth quarter. I think we really need to make a legitimate candidacy for Justin Herbert for MVP. I know a lot of people are liking the way mm-hmm. Josh Allen's playing. A lot of people I are liking Herbert. the way that Kyler Murray's playing. He's got 75% completion percentage through five games. But Justin Herbert needs to be in that conversation. He threw for 398 yards and four touchdowns on Sunday with one rushing touchdown to total his numbers up to five for the game. Mike Williams had an incredible game and it continues an incredible season for him. Eight grabs, 165 yards, two touchdowns. Baker had a 300-yard game. Chubb and Hunt were running the ball like crazy. It was just one of those games that I had red zone on during the late window, and it seemed like every mm-hmm. five minutes it was, you know, Baker Mayfield makes a 35-yard touchdown throw or Kareem Hunt's running up the sideline for a 55-yard touchdown or, oh, my gosh, look at this throw that Justin Herbert made on fourth and seven. The aggressiveness of Brandon Staley was really imminent in this game, going for it. Basically, almost like mm-hmm. a Madden player would on fourth and seven down 14 or fourth and two in your own territory. And it Had just, to. It, Brandon Staley may be the coach of the year, I think, this year. I think he definitely so is. So far, he is. You called sure. that prediction. Mm-hmm. But um, this was definitely, so far for me, game of the year. Glued to the edge of my seat, absolutely just – I wanted the Chargers to win because that's how I predicted it. I, I think Justin Herbert has a really good chance for MV, MVP, especially after this game too. But um, overall, this this was the best game of the week. I mean, the Browns um, carrying Austin Eckler into the end zone. Insane. I mean, it was, was insane. And then the Browns couldn't capitalize. 
Baker may if it wasn't for a little bit of pushing and shoving on that Hail Mary, I think Baker Mayfield makes that pass to Njoku. Because Njoku so. would have been wide open and it almost hit Njoku on the ground. So you know if he was standing upright that he would have made a heck of an effort and we could have been talking about a 48-47 Browns win. Which that would have been even crazier to me than, mm-hmm. than the way it ended up. But overall, I really liked the back and forth shootout style and those tend to be the best games. Yep. And we we probably will see more as the few as the years go on. We got last year's Browns Ravens the year before or two years before that was the first one. I'd say real real shootout type was that Rams Chiefs game that we always seem to mention. Um, another game that was a really great game too that we didn't mention in these breakdowns was that Bengals Packers. Mm-hmm. Um, that was in my honorable mentions. Yeah, that I mean that was. Those two games had me absolutely, like, glued. Yeah. In, in the early window, or it was it was the Bengals-Packers, and then in the later window, it was Chiefs-Chargers, um, or Browns-Chargers, pardon me. Mm-hmm. But fantastic games this week. Dare I say the best, the best whole NFL week we've had. I mean, if you look at the numbers here, I think the only early games, I think we only had two early games that weren't one-score games at the end of the day. Yeah. And, and uh, moving. Lions fought. I mean, they did. Yeah, even, they did. The they games really like did. That. But the Sunday night game, you know, it had a lot of hype, but it wasn't really that good. No. Uh, the Bills ended up winning against the Chiefs, 38-20. to 20. Uh, I mean, he really did look bad in this game, Patrick Mahomes. I know mm-hmm. he's going to be okay. And I know it's not completely his fault. The one interception wasn't his fault where it went right through Tyreek Hill's arm. The weather, you know, obviously they had the one-hour and three-minute lightning delay at halftime. Mm-hmm. Uh, playing from behind is bad enough. But when you're going to play from behind, pardon me, in a rainstorm, when you're Patrick Mahomes in that electric Chiefs offense, there's nothing you're really going to be able to do. The defense isn't – you know, I don't want to put all the blame on Mahomes for their two and three start, but it's the defense. You look at it, and it's happened two or three times this season already. Tyron Matthew is not happy with Daniel Sorensen. Mm-hmm. That Chiefs defense is not in sync. And I don't know what they're going to need to do to get that right. But Daniel Sorensen got absolutely torched on that throw to Dawson. Now, all credit in the world, that was an amazing throw by Josh Allen down to Dawson Knox. Yeah. If Sorensen's playing coverage on him. I'm not going to say that Knox doesn't make that play, but he makes it a little bit more difficult on him. Mm-hmm. Allen ended up finishing the game with uh, 315 passing yards. 59 rushing yards. He had four total touchdowns, one rush, and three pass. I mentioned Dawson Knox, three grabs, 117 yards in his fourth consecutive game with a touchdown. Uh, Just some numbers for Mahomes. 272 passing yards, two touchdowns, and two interceptions. Obviously, I mentioned that the weather, you know, coming in in the second half really did end up hurting their chances to come back and win this game. What were your thoughts on this? Probably, in my opinion, besides the Niners-Cardinals game, the worst game, I, I, it just seemed like there was no chance the Chiefs pulled this one out the further we got into the game. And Josh Allen's on a hot streak. And not to say Mahomes is bad. I'll never, ever, ever my whole life say Patrick Mahomes is bad. And I'll never say to count him out, not even this season. Not even if they started 0-5 like the Lions could I count Patrick Mahomes out. But thing I will say, like you said, defense is out of sync offensively they look like they're playing like from behind constantly the the line looks like a bunch of old men like seriously what is the chiefs offensive line the i i don't know if it was just the game plan the bucks brought in the super bowl that teams are now replicating but the it seemed like the chiefs shelled out a lot of money on the line this offseason and it it looks horrible mahomes looks like he has to do everything himself mm-hmm. in order to even make a a, a play. And that's mm-hmm. just – that's not going to lead to success no matter who you are. You could be Michael Jordan. And if, 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 if Michael Jordan, the greatest athlete of all time, his athleticism would not be enough. Yeah. If, Go ahead. Sorry. It's just – it's just – it sucks because, you know, as a Mahomes guy and a Chiefs fan, you don't want to see – it kind of sucked seeing him down, you know, and seeing mm-hmm. him get kind of his first real taste of – I don't want to say embarrassment, but almost, you know. 
Yeah, and it, it, it's not bad for you know just Chiefs fans. It's and people that like Patrick Mahomes. It's it's unfortunate for the entire league. I mean, mm-hmm. when you see one of the faces of the NFL just be able to struggle, it it really does hurt the game's brand. And it's not really going to get any easier for this Chiefs team. They they have mm-hmm. a little bit of I wouldn't call the Washington football team absolutely a cupcake, but they do have a little bit of an easier mm-hmm. game this Sunday going against Washington. It is on the road though, but and then they they have five more games before the bye. They go to Tennessee on the 24th. Uh, they have the Giants on Sunday Night Football, so that should be a pretty uh, easy game, especially if Jones and Barkley aren't going to be around. But then mm-hmm. this three-game stretch before the bye of home to the Packers at the Raiders and home to the Cowboys is really going to be the determining factor on if the Ch- Kansas City Chiefs miss the playoffs after two straight Super Bowl appearances or if they can win two or three of those games. Maybe that is just the momentum that Mahomes needs. Not necessarily – I'm not going to say they're going to win the division, but just to be able to sneak into the playoffs. Because all you need when it comes to be January is just a seat at the table. And we've seen what Mahomes can do in January and into February. That guy is just electric. So all they got to do is just get there. I think they definitely can make the playoffs. I think think they still will, to be honest. I don't see them not. But it is going to be more of an uphill battle now. And – that could be what's good for them, you know, to, to play from behind. That's That could bring a new energy to this team that we haven't seen. No, I mean, they no, obviously – they sorry. made a lot of comebacks. They, that was part of, you know, they made a lot of comebacks in their yeah. playoff runs. But we've never seen them struggle in the regular season to have to fight for a spot. This could be what brings that defense onto the same page and maybe gets the guys up front actually, you know, working on protecting Mahomes. Mm-hmm. I'm going to move on here to the Monday night football game. And in most weeks, this probably would have been the best game of the week. But I would have put this game as probably the third best game of the week, just the based on the fact of the great week that we had. Mm-hmm. It was the Ravens 31 and the Colts 25. That game did end up being a final in overtime. What a comeback by Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. I counted them out down 25 to 9. Mm-hmm. I thought there is no way with that way that that offense was moving that Lamar Jackson was going to win this game. He ends up proving me wrong, setting a career high with 442 passing yards to add to 62 rushing yards. He had four touchdowns. All of them were passing for a total of 504 all-purpose yards. He ends up leading them to four straight touchdown drives to win the game. Credit to the defense. They ended up stopping the Colts. Um, they Clayus Campbell blocked the field goal right before the go-ahead touchdown or the tying touchdown, pardon me. They had to get two two-point conversions on some of the – or a two-point conversion on two of those four drives before they tied the game. Uh, Blankenship missed a field goal to give them yeah. a chance to go to overtime, which almost would have been – almost actually didn't happen because there was a late flag in the fourth quarter. Ended up getting a boneheaded, um, unnecessary roughness penalty. One of their safeties ended up pushing um, Jack Doyle, and that almost cost the Ravens the game, but – you know, thank goodness for Blankenship not being on. He was a little injured, so that really mm-hmm. did save the Ravens. That guy probably would have gotten cut if they would have lost that game. For real. Um, Jonathan Taylor, really the only bright spot besides Wentz for the Colts. He ended up having 53 rushing yards and a touchdown to add on to 116 receiving yards, including a 78-yard touchdown on the first touch that he had of the game that really set the tone I thought was going to be for a Colts shock upset win. Uh, some numbers with Mark Andrews and Hollywood Brown. They combined for 272 receiving yards and four touchdowns, each having two. I think they had 21 grabs between the two of them, 12 from Andrews and nine from Hollywood Brown. Mm-hmm. What were your thoughts on this amazing comeback by the Ravens? Turned it off when it was 25 to whatever, 25-9. I was like, man, they might, you know, pad the score a little bit. They might make it seem like it was a little closer. I had no idea Lamar was going to go beast mode. Lamar is a top five quarterback in this league. I've thought that for the last couple of seasons, especially, you know, I think people, people give him a lot of unnecessary hate when it comes to the passing game, but Lamar, when it has counted, he has always played well. And especially Mm -hmm. in the passing game. I mean, they came out week one, maybe the season he won the MVP, maybe the one after, and he had a great first week, of passing I remember and then I mean last season he had some great games um 
the the poop game obviously was a fantastic passing game for Lamar. He's obviously shown he can do it with his legs. He won he won the playoff game last year versus the Titans, which was a very difficult game. But then this to me to was just different. This was just a different breed of Lamar. And I mean, if 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 guys like Herbert Allen Mahomes fall out of the MVP race, you we are still looking at if 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 Lamar Jackson has a couple more games like this in the in in a prime time window or in you know on a big stage like this, Lamar could be in that at least in that conversation for MVP later down the line. And who knows? I mean, maybe maybe if he he isn't in that discussion this year, I think Lamar Jackson could definitely end up winning another MVP or a couple more, just like Mahomes, just like some of these younger guys. But Lamar Jackson, man, 435. We do player spotlight now on, on players, the young players who we, you know, overlook. But I think it's unanimous unanimous decision in my mind that Lamar Jackson played the best game of football out of anyone this week. Mm-hmm. And they had showed – I saw a stat this, this afternoon – he is the only quarterback in NFL history to have 1,500 yards and 1,500 passing yards and 300 rushing yards in the first five games of an NFL season. Only guy to ever do it. He's he has 341 sport. rushing yards so far with two touchdowns, and he's thrown for 1,015 yards and, or 1,019 yards, pardon me, eight touchdowns to only three interceptions. So, like you said, if guys do end up falling out of the race, I think Lamar Jackson needs to be the MVP. I think this is going to be one of the tighter MVP races that we will have in recent mm-hmm. NFL memory. I, I definitely agree. And it's, mm-hmm. it's just going to come down to things like last year when Josh Allen had a bad three week stretch. If mm-hmm. a guy like, be, if a guy like Herbert has it. that, yeah, yeah, it's whoever's hot. I think this last year, Rogers pulled away at the end. He got hot the last five or six weeks. And I think that really helped him a lot. All right, um, you got any honorable mentions here? I got a couple. I want to let you go first, though. I mentioned that Bengals-Packers one. I really wanted the Bengals to pull that out, and I think that showed me that the Bengals are they're a pretty serious team. Now, they did make a few mm-hmm. mistakes, and they got bailed out, and they had a couple extra chances. Burrow's, what was Burrow thinking on that first play of overtime is what I want to think, what I want to the, say. That was definitely the worst play of the to game. To throw it right to Devondre Campbell, I mean, his, I don't know, I think he was trying to throw it to Mixon, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. Mixon didn't even make a cut towards that way. And just Burrow just, it was like one of those throws that he probably just thought, oh, crap, as soon as he let it go. And I just to know what he was thinking. I mean, it, It's just got to be the, you know, still young and learning in the NFL. Mm-hmm. But I think Joe Burrow is probably, dare I say, my favorite young quarterback right now. I know he's making a lot of mistakes. I saw something interesting right here before we got on the podcast. Uh, him and Aaron Rodgers obviously met at, in the middle of the field after the game. And it says Aaron Rodgers on what he told Joe Burrow after the game. He told him, slide. You're too damn talented. You got so much in front of you to accomplish in this league. Sometimes you've got to slide. I would have said the same thing to Andrew Luck. And that's just, you know, I don't like Rodgers, but that's that's the good way to go about he you wants know, to keep the young guys in the game, you know, and, and that's that's a good that's what a veteran guy's supposed to do. I mean, exactly. And he's given that advice. I've seen Aaron Rodgers slide plenty of times, so you know he's talking from experience. He's yep, he's te- yep. Joe Burrow got laid out in the middle of the game, and that was a crazy hit. Yeah, and I don't I know thought, if that was the play that ended up sending him to the hospital after the game for the possible throat contusion, but that oh was another gosh. weird thing in its in its own mind means. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, but 281, two touchdowns, two interceptions for Burrow. Um, they game. really couldn't get anything going on offense unless it was going to Jamar Chase. But mm-hmm. thank goodness the Jamar Chase was ended up doing what he did. Ten targets, six grabs, 159 on a touchdown. Uh, Rodgers, 344, two touchdowns. Devontae Adams had an incredible game with 206 receiving yards on a touchdown. Aaron Jones yeah. with 100 um, on the ground. A.J. Dillon had a pretty good game, ended up netting uh, 12 touches. 79 all-purpose in the touchdown. The five straight missed field goals was just incredible. You know, that Crosby missed that 36-yarder, and I thought, you know, he. you mentioned it earlier when we were talking, that he has that one game a year where it just seems like he doesn't know how to kick. And mm-hmm. I think this was that game. And from McPherson, you know, he, he hit the, um, the net, or not the net, but the flag on top of the crossbar. 
he thought that went in and for, you know, Crosby to end up hitting a significant field goal. I think it was like a 48, 49 yarder to win the game was mm-hmm. really shows, you know, as a kicker, you need to have a short memory. Yeah. You got to move on to the next one pretty quick and mm-hmm. you, you've got to not let any emotion almost as a kicker, because if you give into the hype of a game winner, like all the stress, you know, whatever it, it, it can really eat at you. So, like you're saying, you kind of just got to move. All right, miss this kick, but I'm going to hit the next one. You can't get caught up. Yep. A uh, couple other honorable mentions I had uh, before we get to the scores that of games we didn't talk to about. Pardon me. Uh, Eagles ended up winning that game 21-18. to 18. It was a, quite an ugly game for Hurts and the offense, but it was good showing by the Eagles. Uh, the block punt uh, midway through the fourth really changed the game. Slay ended up getting an interception of Darnold to seal the deal. I believe that was his second interception of the ball game. Um, Really shows that Sam Darnold may be, maybe it was just a good three games and maybe Uh we were a little overreactive to, we thought Sam Darnold, maybe it was the Jets and not Sam Darnold, but maybe it is Sam Darnold. Uh, Hubbard ended up getting a hundred yards in that ball game. And then the last game I did want to mention was Trey Lance's first NFL start. He didn't play that bad. Uh, Kyler Murray ended up two, uh, 239 and a touchdown. Lance ended up getting 89 rushing yards. But, I mean, the story of that game was just the, uh, the Cardinals offense being able to just make the right plays at the right time. Uh, we talked when we were together earlier about Rondale Moore's incredible catch that he made on the sideline. Mm-hmm. Um, Luke Hopkins making that side or that um, fade route catch really to put him up. I believe it was 10 late in the fourth quarter. It, the Cardinals, I mean, talking about teams that may be for real, I didn't think the Cardinals were going to be this for real when they went three and all, but for the last two showings that they've had, this team could They're be legit. a dark horse Super Bowl candidate. I think it's going to come down now. I think to them and the Rams, the Bucks, they haven't shown me enough yet. And what the Cardinals have over the Rams is a running game. They have that two-headed monster in James Conner, who has had a very mm-hmm. impressive showing in his first five games. I'm sure. Pittsburgh Steelers fans are actually just shaking their heads every time they watch James Conner play. And then mm-hmm. Chase Edmonds, the, the resurgence of Chase Edmonds. I thought last year was a fluke, to be honest with you, but I was wrong mm-hmm. on that. It's because it was COVID. We didn't know, you know, he, how he was going to stack up with, you know, some of the guys who were hurt last year. But he has – he's one of the better receiving backs, but also he's shown he can run the ball mm-hmm. very well just out of the backfield. I really do like Chase Edmonds. For sure. Uh, some other scores from week five in the NFL. We had the first of two London games uh, for the uh, 2021 NFL season. The Falcons ended up holding off a late furious rally by the Jets, 27-20. Matt Ryan with 342 yards and two touchdowns. Patterson leading the way in the rushing department. Kyle Pitts had his best NFL game as a Falcon with nine grabs, 119 and a touchdown. Steelers ended up um, – surviving a 13-point fourth quarter by the Broncos when that game 27-19. Najee Harris with another 100-yard ball game. Claypool with 130 uh, receiving yards and a touchdown. Tom Brady with a five-touchdown, 411-yard performance and a Bucks 45-17 win over the Dolphins. Uh, Saints 33-22 winners over the Washington football team. Jameis with 279 and four touchdowns. Um, Titans ended up bouncing back 37-19 over the Jags. James Robinson, really big game for the Jags, 149 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Lawrence with 273 and a touchdown himself. Patriots survived 25-22. Davis Mills had a really good game, his first really big game in the NFL, mm-hmm. 312, three touchdowns. Um, Bears ended up spoiling the uh, winning the game in the Khalil Mack Bowl, getting Justin Fields his first road NFL victory. Uh, Khalil Herbert really stepped up, 75 yards and 18 carries for the injured David Montgomery. Um, we mentioned the Chargers and the Browns. Uh, Cowboys-Giants, 44-20. The score really doesn't dictate it, though. Daniel Jones ended up being concussed on one of the last plays of the first half. Saquon Barkley with that unfortunate sprained ankle. Saw that live. Uh, that's a That's got to be a three- to four-week injury. You know, you just feel bad for him. Uh, Prescott, 302 yards, three touchdowns. Zeke ended up getting 110-yard performance of the touchdown. Kadarius Toney really broke out. He was almost my player spotlight for the week. 10 grabs and 189 yards. One really stupid decision, though, at the end of the game. Got uh, got into a pushing and shoving match with the Cowboys defense. Ended up punching a defender, I believe. Or a Cowboys, yeah, Cowboys defender. I don't know if he ended up getting ejected or not. 
But it was just an unfortunate situation. That's going to wrap up week number five in the NFL. Uh, if you want to lead us off, Alex, with Thursday night football going into week number six, we have the Bucks and we have the Eagles. Who you got in this Thursday night battle? Bucks very easily. I I think it's going to be very similar to what they did to Miami this uh, this past week. Carved them up. I mean, Miami put up a good fight. They 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 hung around. You know, what I mean, they still scored. They still whatever. But I think that. Uh, Jalen Hurts, despite having a really good second half versus the Panthers, his first half was awful. He had, like, negative yards. He, he, he wasn't there. If, if Jalen Hurts comes out and, you know, has a decent game, I think they can put up some points. Will the Eagles win? Absolutely not. I don't see this game being close. I actually see it being a lot closer than people think it's going to be. The Bucks are still going to win. Don't get me wrong. It's going to be like a 27-20 to 20 game. I'm thinking Brady, 300 yards, two touchdowns. He is going to throw a very rare interception. Hurts, 200 pass, 50 rush. He's going to find the end zone, I think. I think Sanders finds the end zone, but Brady and crew, they're going to pull away late. They're going to have the lead for most of this game. The Eagles are going to have their chances, but just at the end. It's just going to be too much of Tom Brady and not enough of a very weak Eagles defense. It's going to move us on to the Sunday 1 o'clock window. We have the Bengals taking on the 0-5 Lions. Uh, how bad are the Lions going to lose in this game? We're going to lose horribly. Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase are going to show us why. I mean, they were one of the best combos when they were at LSU, and they've transitioned very nicely to having that strong connection in the NFL. I, a Warrior is going to get burnt like, like he I has I just hope Warrior isn't on Jamar Chase. I hope he's on, like, T. Higgins or somebody. If he's on T. Higgins, T. Higgins will go for a career high four <laughs> touchdowns. Definitely. But, I mean, the, the number one thing is I think we're going to fight, and I think we are going to, you know, I think we might have a chance at some point in the game, whether that be in the beginning of the game, like, you know, the Packers game when we hung around for the first half, or whether it be – a last-ditch effort like it was in the 49ers game. I think there will be some point in this game where we get something. But, I mean, the Bengals are going to pull away, I think, pretty easily, especially the way they played versus the Packers despite the loss and despite a few mistakes. I think the Bengals are on their on their way to, you know, turning that franchise around. Mm-hmm. I think the Bengals are going to win this one quite easily. 34-14. Burrow, 325, three touchdowns. I think Jamar Chase has another 150-yard performance. Two touchdowns, though, instead of the one that he had this week. Jared Goff is going to have a Jared Goff-type game. It's going to be that 200-225 yard range with a couple turnovers and maybe a touchdown if he gets lucky. We're going to fall to 0-6, obviously. Jamal Williams, I think, 50 rushing yards. I think Swift's going to find 40 receiving yards. I think Swift gets another touchdown this week. Uh, like I said earlier when we were talking about the Vikings game, at least Dan Campbell cares. The other only winless coach, you know, he doesn't. So that's, I guess, that's the moral we have to look at it through. Uh, also in the 1 o'clock window, it is the Cardinals and the Browns. That's going to be a really good game. I'm thinking another offensive shootout just like the Browns and Chargers was. What do you think? Yeah, I'd have to say I agree. Uh, what was the score of the Browns Chargers? Uh, 47-42. Yeah, I definitely could see this going up to that point. Maybe not 47, but definitely in the 40 range. Um, I, I think that is just how the Browns play football. They, they did it last year versus the Ravens and a couple other teams. It just, their offense is really, you know, when it's clicking, especially that run game, they can put up big numbers pretty quickly. We saw it, you know, the turnaround on touchdowns, like you were saying, seems like watching red zone every, every four or five minutes, Kareem Hunt runs 40 yards or just big catch from out the backfield or, you know what I mean? It, and, and, jo- and Joku with a nice grab, things like that. They, they move very quickly on offense when they get the right um, system going or the right flow. And I mean, the Cardinals have already shown they can, beat the best teams in the league this year. I think the Cardinals are going to win, but it's going to be a very, very close game. Yeah, I'm thinking a close game too, but it's going to be another offensive shootout. It's not going to be to the uh, you know the levels of 47-42. I'm thinking 41-37, though, for the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, Kyler Murray's going to have 360 yards total, 300 pass, 60 rush. I think in four touchdowns. Mayfield, 325, three touchdowns. Uh, he's going to turn the ball over once, I think. I think Hunt and Chubb combined for 175 rush and two touchdowns. But that interception that I did mention from Mayfield is going to be a late interception that is going to seal the deal for the Cardinals. All right, Sunday Night Football, we have a Super Bowl 40 rematch. From the 2006 Super Bowl from Ford Field, we have the Seahawks and the Steelers. Who you got? When I first saw this matchup, I was like, wow, kind of a weird matchup. Then I started thinking about, okay, where have I seen this matchup before? And then it hit me, the Hasselback days, correct? Or right, right before Hasselback and Sean Alexander, I believe, were on the Seahawks right, at that point. Right before that Russell Wilson age, Marshawn Lynch, Beast Quake days. It was right before those that era. Um, without Russell Wilson, I just don't see the Seahawks coming away with this one. I, I, I don't think it's going to be a blowout on either side, but I think with, you know, the way Najee Harris has been playing for the Steelers, he's really the highlight in the receiving game and in, you know, the, uh, the ground game. Deontay Johnson has been a standout with, you know, the likes of Juju Smith now being out with some arm injury. Not sure if he's going to be back. Too many TikTok week. dances? Is that what it was? It's, it's always that. It's him and Claypool. They just love the TikToks. But, at least you know, Claypool can back up his game. For real. Though. At least Claypool can play football mm-hmm. um, and doesn't just do Fortnite dances on those. But um, Big Ben's been shaken up. I don't I don't think he's going to have any problem in this one. The Geno Smith, I mean, I, I haven't heard about him in, since he was drafted by the Jets. <laughs> Remember that fight he got in with that offensive lineman and he punched him? <laughs> That's the story of Geno Smith's career. That's the highlight. Yep, basically. But I saw when uh, after the um, Bucks or played the Patriots, the only rookie quarterback to ever beat Tom Brady was Geno Smith. Yep. That's crazy. So at least, no, I mean, you know. Think, think about the team that he had around him, though. I mean. On defense, especially. Yeah, they they were all right. They they and that was probably one of the Patriots, you know, lack not lackluster years, but not their prime years. Mm-hmm. I think this is going to be an offensive struggle. I said seventeen to thirteen. Yeah, uh, I actually I didn't know that this was Sunday Night Football. It would have looked way better in like week two or mm-hmm. preseason. You know, it would have looked way better. Uh, Gino versus Big Ben. That's just going to be a big ew. I think. This will be uh, the Najee, worst Sunday game. Najee Harris, 100 rush, 60 receiving yards. Uh, he's going to score both touchdowns for the Steelers. Mm-hmm. Um, Gino is going to have 225, a touchdown on a pick. I think Lockett and DK are going to struggle with Gino being the quarterback. So I, I would almost sit either one of those guys in fantasy if I had them. Good thing I don't. Uh, Carson's going to be back in this one. I think he gets 60 rushing yards and a touchdown. He's really going to be that workhorse back. I don't think they're going to rely on Gino to throw the ball more than maybe 30 times like they would with Russ. He's going to get sacked six times. Uh, he's going to mold into form late, but just not enough time, I think, for Geno Smith. Watt's going to have two and a half sacks. I think Bush gets one. Uh, Camp Hayward possibly could. And the Seahawks are going to shockingly fall to two and four. Unfortunately, we're not in that window yet where we can flex out Sunday Night Football, so I guess we're just stuck with this bad matchup. This is the worst matchup. If this was like a week 11 or a week 12, they definitely would have flexed probably the Cardinals and Browns, I yeah. would think. And not given us this atrocity. Yeah, this... but I mean, it would not It would have looked okay if, if Russ wouldn't have gotten hurt. It's just that, you know, it's Geno Smith versus Roethlisberger instead of, you know, Russell Wilson. But that's going to be move us on to the uh, last game of week number six, Monday Night Football, the Bills and the Titans. This should be a really good game, I think, from Nissan Stadium. Who you got? Who is it? Bills Titans, right? Bills Titans, yeah. So the the Bills are getting primetime matchups in back to back weeks, and it's well deserved. I mean, Josh Allen's on fire right now. He's in the talks for you know MVP candidacy. Um, I think this one's going to be a little closer than the Chiefs game, but I see the Bills taking it. I hope Singletary finally you know kind of gets something going in the backfield because I I drafted him in fantasy and he has been letting me down. Dawson Knox, I think maybe – I think Dawson Knox can get on the board again here. They've been really going to him the last couple of weeks, as I highlighted a couple of weeks ago. And I uh, I am excited for this matchup. Probably 
behind the Cardinals-Browns, this is the matchup I'm most excited for this week because these are two teams who have a very good chance of going to the AFC Championship and two teams I think we'll definitely be seeing in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I have this being another classic Monday Night Football game. I think this is going to be our third overtime game on Monday Night Football in the last six weeks and our second in a row. Bills are going to win this game 27-24. to I think Tannehill and Josh Allen are going to go score for score in this game until Tyler Bass hits a game-winning field goal in overtime. Uh, Tannehill is going to have 250 passing, two touchdowns. I'm thinking Derrick Henry is going to find the 100-yard club again and also score. Uh, Josh Allen, 275 passing, 40 rushing yards, three touchdowns. I think Sanders, Knox, and Diggs get the touchdowns for the Bills. And, man, the 5-1 and one Buffalo Bills are looking really, really good this year. And just pray for the city of Buffalo if this team makes the Super Bowl. I know we're still four months away from that being a possibility, but just just begin begin thinking about your prayers for the city of Buffalo if this team makes the Super Bowl because I don't know what's going to happen. It'll explode. It would literally be like if the Lions ever won a Super Bowl, I think, because, you know, yeah. they had the storied history in the 80s making the four straight. They never won any of those. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it would just be incredible if this team could could go to the distance and go to the promised land. I love the Buffalo fan base. They've mm-hmm. got to be one of the best fan bases in football. Breaking tables. <laughs> I mean, they're the wild. It reminds me of the Eagles when they won the Super Bowl. I think we could get that, but on steroids, if the Bills end up making it. Even if they made it. Like, <laughs> they don't even have to win. Exactly. But, but um, definitely excited for this matchup. And... Excited to see uh, the Titans in primetime. I think this is their first primetime matchup of the year, correct? Mm -hmm. Yep, yep. So excited to see that. And some other games in the week six window. Um, We do have our second of the two London games. We have the Dolphins and the Jaguars. So we're giving London United Kingdom our best once again, just like we gave them the Jets and Falcons last week. We're giving them 0-5 versus 1-4. So maybe maybe Urban Meyer gets his first win of his NFL career on uh, not on U.S. soil, which would be interesting. Interesting to see. Uh, one o'clock window. We have the Packers and the Bears. We have the Texans and the Colts. We have the Rams, the Giants, uh, the Chiefs, and the Washington Football Team. The Vikes and the Panthers. Chargers and Ravens to close out the one o'clock window. The four o'clock window. We have the Cardinals and oh, that's that's a four o'clock game. I thought that was a one o'clock game. Four o five. Four o five for the Cardinals and Browns. Uh, Raiders, Broncos, 425, along with the Cowboys and Patriots. And then we have our two prime time games that we've already broken down. It's going to move us on here to our final segment of the evening. We are going to have player spotlight. Alex, do you want to lead us off with your player of the week? With the player spotlight this year, we are highlighting the players who, you know, the smaller guys. All right, sorry about that, uh, those technical difficulties here. It seems like it always seems to haunt us one way or another. You were mentioning, uh, as we were getting into our last segment, Player Spotlight, just a little bit of, uh, for maybe the people that haven't listened to, you know, the first four weeks of our breakdowns, uh, what Player Spotlight is this year? Yeah, it's, last year is about, you know, all right, let's, let's see. If this guy is 400 yards, let's talk about that. Let's talk about an offensive guy, a defensive guy. This year, during the offseason, we took some time to talk Hall of Fame potential and really highlight guys who were in the earlier parts of this career. This series, this time around, is kind of a combination of the two. It's it's about players who may, may be lesser known, maybe just getting their starts, may just have their first of their – good games many to come or it could be a guy who just has a really good week maybe it's not uh indicative of the rest of their career maybe they are typically bad or maybe we don't even see them having that great of a career but it's a way to highlight the smaller guys who have a big game show up for their team and you know put on an impressive performance usually a surprise performance someone we don't expect and then just kind of breaking down some of their um, personal history, what got them to this point. That's That being said, this week I'm highlighting Davis Mills. Now, so up to this point, I've, I've thought, Davis Mills, who the heck is that? You know, he, he doesn't really – hasn't made a name for himself amongst the rest of the rookies who were taken in the first round. Uh, Davis Mills was taken in the third round of this year's draft. 
pick 67. He was two away from a very special number. But that being said, you know, Davis Mills balled out this week. I Watching that Patriots-Texans game, I thought there's no way he's about to win. He looked just as good as Mac Jones in that game. And, and you know, this was the first real game where we were like, okay, there's a little bit more of a confidence in why they're starting this guy. Obviously, it's due to the unfortunate Tyrod Taylor injury and his unfortunate luck with that sort of thing. Davis Mills is 6'4", 225. Uh, this week went 21 of 29 for 312 yards, as we mentioned earlier, with three touchdowns. He had a 141.7 uh, passer rating. My question and everyone's question that came out of this game was, is it the start of another Tyrod Taylor injury leading to kickstarting the career of another young NFL quarterback? We saw it with Herbert Mayfield. Josh Allen was drafted because of Tyrod Taylor's, you know, not able to lead the Bills anywhere. There's, there's, it seems like that's been the path of Tyrod Taylor's career. In the case of Davis Mills, I'm not sure that I'm ready to say that he's going to be anywhere near those guys. He did have an impressive performance. He made a great throw to uh, Enclair, his tight end, over two Patriots defenders. And it, it was a really good throw. And it was like, oh, wow, I'm surprised the player caught that. But I'm also surprised he snuck that over their heads. That was really the highlight play for him. He, he found a lot of connections with uh, Chris Moore, I believe is the name of the receiver. Uh, or then they also have, you know, Brandon Cooks. Conley, I think from the Chiefs, had a good game. David Johnson got involved. Maybe Davis Mills could squeak out one or two wins this season if they play a more complete game. But I do not see Davis Mills having a career like Herbert Mayfield Allen at this point. He In the other three games he played in, there were, they were nowhere near this. They were not very great games. This was his first good game. He's from Atlanta, Georgia. He attended Stanford. And before that, he went to Greater Atlanta Christian School in Georgia. Uh, before, I believe Stanford, what, is that on the west coast? Yeah, of Stanford's the, uh, out in California, yeah. So he's really switching. But Georgia, they have great prospects. I don't know what it is. It's In the south, they always seem to have some of the best prospects. Because that's and all they got down there, basically, is just high school football. High school football. I mean, I'd love to live in a town down south where, you know, your high school football team is like your pride. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And, and and in some of the states who don't have a NFL team, I definitely think that would – College would, and high school sports is what it is, you know. And it, that that environment would be awesome to, you know, experience firsthand – uh, I mentioned he was drafted this year in the 2021 NFL Draft round three, pick 67. So far, he's got 669 passing yards. He's got a 61% completion percentage. He's got five t- touchdowns, five interceptions. Looking like he could have a Jameis Winston-esque season pre-Saints era Jameis Winston, who has been balling out. And I believe you're going to talk about one of his uh, teammates for your player spotlight. Davis Mills, though, he uh, was born October 21st, 1998, so his birthday's coming up here. So this is just kind of wishing him a happy birthday, I guess. But um, during his time uh, playing for the Christian school he attended for high school, he had about 6,000 passing yards and 66 touchdowns. He was selected to the 2017 U.S. Army All-American Bowl but was not able to play due to injury. But the the best thing I found out about Davis Mills he was a five-star recruit, you know, really. and he, he was actually listed and ranked as the top quarterback in his class when he committed to Stanford. He redshirted the freshman year, probably due to that injury that had kept him out of the uh, Army All-American Bowl. Uh, in 2018, he entered as a backup during one of the games. Same with 2019. He, he never really got a shot until 2020 when um, – or he got a shot in 2019 – to play a couple of those games backing up Costello due to a injury, but his, his first time starting for real and, and getting the helm at the start of the season was this past 2020 in a pandemic shortened season. He had, uh, he went 129 of 195 with 
1,500 passing yards, seven touchdowns, three interceptions. So in a short season, not a bad season, but a very small sample size. Um, and the season before that, he, he only had 2,000 yards and 11 touchdowns. So we there wasn't a lot of film on Davis Mills. They're obviously only having the one year of starting and then a couple games prior, which is probably why, you know, he snuck into the third round. But, you know, it's crazy to go from a five-star recruit ranked number one in the class and then to be drafted third round. The good news for Davis Mills, he still made the NFL. But, man, do you think Davis Mills has any shot of following in the Tyrod Taylor, you know, whatever you want to call it, curse or narrative? Because for me, I don't know that I can – I think he, he he definitely had to work hard to be a five-star recruit, no doubt, in high school. And then to have pretty good numbers at Stanford, and I think he holds a couple records there. How do you see him panning out in the NFL? I think it's too early to judge. What do you, what is your opinion on Davis Mills, Dylan? It's it's too early to tell, but I don't I definitely don't see him following the Mayfield Herbert way. Mm-hmm. I mean, can can he start for the Texans for a year or two, you know, if they decide to let Tyrod Taylor go or if they give the keys to Davis Mills for the rest of the season when Tyrod Taylor's healthy? Do I see him starting for, you know, a team like the Texans for a year or two? Yes. Do I see him having a, you know, average NFL career? Yes. But he's not going to be a career backup, I'm sure. He can find a spot somewhere. He's just got to put up some big games like he had on Sunday. And uh, definitely a top five forehead in the NFL, I would say. I agree. And that he has a very long neck. Maybe maybe he could be a Peyton Manning-esque. Maybe. Um, But – I think it's definitely too early to tell. The best I see for Mills right now is, like you said, I don't know that I see him as a backup anymore. He had a really good game. But I, if he's going to start somewhere, he's going to be one of the bottom starters, which means the Texans could be a good place for him. I mean, they're a bottom team. He could be a decent starter for a bottom team, but he'll never – I don't think he could ever amount to, you know – the great successes of Mayfield and and Allen. I just don't Mm -hmm. see it happening, especially not Herbert, man. He's no way he's having a Herbert year this year. No, for sure. All right, going to move on here to my player here, uh, Marquez Calloway, the Saints wide receiver who has broke out so far in 2021. He had a four grab and 85 yard performance with two touchdowns and a 33 to 22 win Sunday versus the Washington football team. Some more about Marquez Callaway. He was born on March 27th, 1998 in Warner Robins, Georgia. That makes him 23 years old. He is six foot two and 204 pounds. Went to local Warner Robins high school before being recruited by Tennessee. If you don't know where Warren Robins is, I believe it is not too far from the Atlanta area. So we did pick two Georgia born players um, mm-hmm. before this game, his NFL career uh, before the season, I'm sorry, his NFL career had 30 grabs for 350 yards and a touchdown. He had offers from other schools before going to Tennessee. He had offers from Florida, Georgia, Alabama, Notre Dame, and Michigan State. He had played 35 games in his career in Knoxville for the Volunteers, where he had 92 grabs for 1,646 yards, scoring 13 touchdowns and averaging about 17 to 18 yards per catch. He was not drafted, so he was signed by the Saints in 2020 in that crazy pandemic season as an undrafted free agent. He started his Saints account mainly as a special teamer in the first four weeks before he had his first NFL grab versus our Detroit Lions in week four last season. A fun fact about Marquez Callaway, he caught Drew Brees' 7,000 completion in a game against the Carolina Panthers last year where he had eight grabs and 75 yards. Those were both career highs for Callaway at the time. Uh, He had a very unfortunate end to his 2020 season as he was placed on IR on December 5th and activated before week 16, not getting to play much in the playoff games that they ended up being in last year. He finished 2020 with three starts, 11 games played, 21 grabs for 213, no touchdowns. He had four kick returns for 94 yards, and he had 11 punts for 122 yards. Uh, 2021, so far, he's already passed his 2020 mark in yards with 222. More of a big play threat this year, though. He only has 13 grabs and three touchdowns. He has not really been used as a punt or kick returner um, probably mainly because they need more in the receiving game due to uh, Michael Thomas being injured to start the season. I would assume, unfortunately though, his 
targets are going to fall as Michael Thomas does get back into the lineup. But otherwise, still going to be a very viable slot or a deep threat guy, more like a Henry Ruggs, John Ross guy, obviously minus the blazing speed that those two guys have. Still, otherwise, it's a great story. I like Callaway. I think he's really impressed me this year. Mm-hmm, for sure. Is there anything else you got before we get out of here? No, just I, I really think so far in this 2021 NFL season, this was the best week of games personally. Uh, as a whole, I felt like every game was pretty good. There was a few that, you know, weren't as interesting like the Cardinals Niners or, you know, so, some the of Bucks, the other games. Yeah. The Bucks 45-point performance, Brady 400 yards and four touchdowns. Yeah, wasn't the most interesting game, but still, you know, entertaining to see a guy like Antonio Brown have some good plays. I just – I – we mentioned at the start, it's all, it's always bittersweet as the as the weeks go by. But all I hope as a Lions fan is we do get one win. Just one. Just one win is all we need. Just one. All right, that's going to wrap it up here for episode number 77 of Deal and Al Talk NFL. We will be back for episode number 78 next week. We will be bringing down all the action in week number six as we hit the one-third mark of the NFL season so far, uh, looking ahead later to week number seven and then another edition of player spotlight we will be having a mid-season mvp uh replace a um player spotlight i believe in around the week nine or week eight mark so it'll be interesting we'll break down maybe one for real candidate maybe one guy we think has an outside chance and that'll be really fun to do to see who you guys who see for you guys to see who we think could be the mvp at the end of the season. So uh, if there's anything else you got, Alex, go ahead. If not, we are going to get out of here. I think we've pretty much covered it. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll see you next week.